Hi everyone, and thanks for locking into this Father's Day special. Although not everyone on this panel is a dad, I wanted to bring you some extra content on these men's perspectives. In this episode, I fall into conversation with Michael, Richard, Gerd and Joe about men and mental health. I would just like to point out again that we are not health professionals, just individuals talking about their own experiences and opinions. There is still a lot of stigma around men not being able to open up and discuss their feelings. Where does the stigma come from and what is their take on this? Let's find out. As a man, do you feel some way about discussing the way you feel with others? I would say it depends on the person, innit? You know, I've got my brother, obviously Richard, he's here. I'll talk to Gerd. I'll talk to anyone that I'm close to, I, I would say. But I mean, that's me. I'm, I'm a little bit more of an open book. My life generally, especially in the art and work I create, is out there. So I don't have too much of a, a filter when it comes to expressing myself. Mm-hmm. I guess there's obviously certain people that will hear certain things. Not everyone hears everything. And, and I do like to keep a lot of my personal life uh, behind closed doors for sure. I'm going to get approached up as well. Like, I think it depends person to person, like you said, Mike. But I think for me, I've never really opened up. Like, it's been one of my things for years. And, like, until probably the last five, six years, it's been something that I've always, like, ignored. So it's, I don't know if that's historical or what that's rooted to, but I've always found it, like, I'm a listener. I'm not a talker. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, like you said, I think it depends on the person. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty much the same with, with Mike, really. My character isn't probably similar to yours, Mike, in the sense that you are naturally quite um, quite open as a person anyway. I think for me, I think what's more important is the environment. Mm-hmm. I think I'm quite fortunate in a sense that I have a lot of loved people around me that I trust. So often, more, more times than not, there's always someone there f- for me to talk to, be it well, even aside from my wife, like I can be with like my friends, I can be with family and stuff. And generally the ability to be open is there. Even at work, there's always a few people there. But I think the, the, the choice that I have as a person is actually to what you were saying in a sense that it's not the same for every, it's not the same subjects that I'll open out to everyone. It's almost like there's certain conversations I'll feel comfortable saying to certain people mm. but if i if you bring it into a massive ball of my life i feel fairly well-rounded in the sense that there's someone i think my challenge is is that i won't reach out it's just the fact that if they're there then i will talk about it mm. i won't reach out and say i need to talk about this to someone i feel comfortable talking about so yeah but yeah to, in regards to the to the question uh yeah i feel like i i can i can, I can talk for me, exactly the same. I would say it's probably why we've all ended up, whether we like or not, in the same kind of friendship group. As in, I know my brother's in this conversation, but he's one of my best friends because we're all very, very similar in the fact that I am sometimes probably very, very open and I'll tell people things just because I'll just open my mouth and say stuff. It's grown for me as I've got a bit older because when I was younger, I felt like I, I was so honest and people would take advantage of it. So there was a period, I would say, in between where I'd be like, ah, let me shut off a bit because I open my mouth too much. So, yeah, me, I'm, I, 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 I'm happy to speak on, say, whatever to anyone and sometimes probably too open, I, I would say. 
Yeah, I think what I was going to add, Christina, is just that I would say I've got better over time as I've got older. It's, it's less about the dirt talking about it. It's more become how, how connected to my personal feelings. And I don't know whether any of you guys feel the same. How, how more connected to the idea of how I'm feeling, my, knowing my personal emotions and you know, how I react and really kind of going, actually, the reason why you're acting like that, Michael, is because of this. It's not because of that. And having the blanket of what a man is meant to look like sometimes kind of get in the way of what you're feeling emotionally. So being able, the quality, I would say, has changed as opposed to the idea of speaking, just like what Richard was saying, mm. is that, yeah, you, you know, you, you kind of think about, think about it a little bit more and understand yourself a little bit more. You've all kind of said you are open and happy to speak, but has it always been that way? Like, was there a time in your life, was it during school or, you know, was it as you got older, like Michael said, where you felt like you can say these things or you can talk about things that are quite difficult? So I think... I think my character is I'm naturally quite emotional anyway. So whether I choose to to be reserved or not, often in comparison to most people, it, it ends up being like more than I think what most guys or, or whatever in the room would probably be revealing anyway. But ironically, like my friendship group that I grew up with, we were all really crap at talking about our, our issues We'd just basically just hook up and like growing up, everyone just sort of chill, listen to music, smoke weed and then watch these standards and go home. You know what I mean? And no one really spoke about stuff, which I think as a teenager is kind of normal, right? But I think the thing that probably kept us together is that we all went, th- we were all there when people went through stuff. So when people's like parents died or, or, mm. or whatever, we were all there. So it kind of always felt like a comfort that we were all there anyway. And I think that's what we got out of it in the sense that we didn't need to necessarily talk. It was just actually being in that space with each other, knowing that we, you can just be whatever. You don't have to talk about it. Just be, like, just be chill. I think that in itself, certainly for me, was helpful. And I think most of the guys then would, would, help, would also agree. I think as you grow, I think it's slightly different to what Mike was saying in the sense that as you grow... I don't. I think I haven't necessarily evolved to that point of really understanding, you know, the reasons why I feel a certain way. I think I've always kind of been like that. It's never really been an evolution. I think there's been a necessity for me to talk because I come from a space where most of my life I've used other means to manage stress or manage my anxieties. Do you know what I mean? I've used other levers to 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 manage those and as they have gone away um as i've grown older the need to therefore talk therefore becomes more important yeah um, just a quick question going back to joe because my, my friendship group we were all listeners at the time but ironically no one ever spoke i think i think yeah. my friends were all, all kind of agree with me um certainly was i grew up with when i was little so but did you find comfort in just listening, did that ever make, does that make you feel better? Now or then? Now. Now, probably. Like, then was different because, like, I feel like when I went through school, when I went through uni, like, there's so much else going on that you don't really think about the negative stuff that maybe you're going through or you're dealing with it in a way that's, like, you just get on with it. It's a very, like, male thing to historically have been, like, yeah, you know, you just crack on. 
you just deal with it. You, mm-hmm. you move on, you get on with the next day, cool. I think now because it's mental health is more in the focus, I think you pay more attention to it. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's, it's weird that it's, that has, that movement of mental health coming to the fore has really been able to enable people to be like, right, cool, let's have a chat, let's open up. Because, like I said, historically, I've never done it. I've never been a speaker. I've, like, like you said, I've always been a listener. Like, I, 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 even in the chats we have on the Fridays, I, I don't really say a lot. I just take a lot in. Mm. I know that myself, if I needed to speak to Christina or you guys or whoever it may be, I could do that within reason. Yeah, but in what is the is the I'm a listener? Is that a coping mechanism? Probably because I don't like. Like I said, I've always been a closed book. Like I've never gone like I've never choose to open up a conversation and be like, um, like you said, I'm, I'm really struggling with this, or I've just learned to crack on with it. I've always been. It's just like throughout life, because of stuff that's happened, it's always been me relying on me. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my only way has been harboring it all in and not having that mechanism to go, you know what, I'm going to talk about it until yeah. recently where I was like, yeah, you know what, I need to. Sorry, sorry to cut you, but I was, I was saying it's interesting in the fact that, like, I can kind of take from both what you and G have said in the fact that, for me, I think there was that, as I spoke before, about that turning point where I kind of took a bit of a readjustment on it was when I became a dad. And obviously, I became a dad fairly young and I was like, yo, I've got to be a man now. I've got this child that depends on me. And that child is a, is a boy and I've got to be strong for him. And I've got to be, you know, I had this idea of what a dad would be. So then I was like, mm, not that I can't talk so much about stuff, but, you know, I have to be ahead of something. I have to be, you know, I have to be strong. So... I think that's that that was definitely a period for me. For instance, like when my youngest, sorry, when my eldest was born, it was like, you know, my mum was giving me advice as to how to raise this boy. And I was like, yo, but part of that is mum, I'm gonna do my own thing. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I'm not gonna raise him just the way you're telling me. I'm not here to, yes, you're my mum and I respect your views, opinions, and whatever. But and and I think even for us, it became a bit of a interesting uh, turning point in our relationship between me and my mum and I. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that, that was that, that thing I would say in between both what you and G just said there, Joe, in the fact that that's when I felt the bit of tension as to not to discuss as much or be as open because I felt like I had to be stronger in yeah. this version of a man and a dad. And do you know what I mean? The problem you get with that is when you harbour it all up, there comes a point where you've got a glass and as soon as that glass starts tipping over... You you're in a position where it just explodes, mm. and, like it's just a, an accumulation of everything. And to be able to talk about it to get to that point is difficult. When yeah. you do, it does give you that level of like, you know, not relaxation, but like you, you kind of getting it off your chest. Yeah, reprieve definitely. Yeah, I mean that's really interesting. I think Joe because I feel the same, even though I'm just as open. I feel a lot of that pressure so to speak and that pressure cooker situation kind of occurring and obviously it's not related to I guess major tragedy so to speak but a lot of the time it's because in my personal life like first and foremost I'm the eldest son 
So being the eldest son of the family and of the, the group, there's this idea that your parents have put on you from early just to be like, this is how your life has to kind of work. As an elder, you have to be the person who gives a good example. You're the person that makes people understand, you know, you're, you're the head of the family. Everyone has to understand what Michael is doing represents the whole family. Do you know what I mean? And then you're also told as a younger, as, as an elder, that the youngers will follow you if, you if you do something bad. So you have this pressure on your back to kind of do that. Then I think it wasn't until my 30s that the idea of what I think is the word, and I don't know whether it's the correct word, the idea of emotional intelligence, I felt that's where it kind of grew for me. And I know definitely Kenrick, you know, as a, a business partner and obviously a friend, he specifically put me into that vein where he was like, come, come, give me a hug. Like, and that thing was totally unheard of for me. Like, what do you mean? Like, I don't go and hug my dad. I don't do none of that. And it's mm. like, I'm t- slightly in between that space. Cause even, I, I don't think I've said it to you guys per se, but I do say it a lot. Like the idea of sitting with mom and, and, and hugging mom and all of that stuff. I saw that happen with my, my siblings. I saw that happen with Rich. I saw that happen with Chris as opposed to it used to happen with me directly. So that was just, and I think it's just time, do you know what I mean? And the things that they were going through and the things that they were doing. So it wasn't anything, you know, Michael was cool on his own. Michael was comfortable. So all of that, they just knew Mikey's all right. Chris is the youngest. Richard was, you know, Richard was a different child as well. He had his own different needs. And that emotional intelligence, I think, made me more, and that's why I talk about the quality. The quality got better because I started becoming in, a bit more in tune with that emotional side that Gerd's kind of describing. That, cool. Yeah, that was new to me. And, and I think what, what I, I, I think that added a quality and an essence to my work as well, because it meant I now was kind of uh, um, connecting with the wider audience or the, the, the people that I'm working with in a, in a new and unique way. But then, yeah, at the same time, I do feel like to kind of be a little bit more controversial, it made me a bit soft. Do you know what I mean? Now, I think as I'm getting older, I can watch something on TV and it could bring me close to tears. Do you know what I mean? Or I could feel an emotion or something. Only, only close, yeah? Yeah, but close sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> the tears is there. Do you know what I mean? But, like, I've started to connect with certain things in, in such a more visceral and more emotive and emotional way that, yeah, you do feel in the back of your mind that, oh, am I... Am I getting a bit too soft? Do you know what I mean? But I think that that is like my old skin or my old self talking with the new self. Mm. And like, do you guys feel like there's more pressure on a man to not feel down? So like one of the things that Joe said is like he just had to crack on with it. And we always hear, or not as much now, but the um, phrase to man up. So do you feel like there's a stigma around a man being okay and being the strong one? Or do you think that's slightly changing now? 100%. 100%. I mean, I, I feel like that way as a businessman. I feel like that way as a person who's responsible for an organization. Do you know what I mean? There is, and, and I've said this before, I don't know whether it's to you, but I definitely said to other people, sometimes I can't let certain emotions come in because I've got to keep it all together. Just the concept of keeping it all together. You know that you hold this whole pillar. There's no one else that can hold that pillar. And if you let go then, you know, number one, the building's going to be lopsided or it's going to collapse. It's one of the two. So you do feel that essence, but you are right in some parts, Christina, that the world, and I think, Joe, you kind of said it already, that the world is a little bit more open to that as a man, that you, your mental wealth and well welfare and your well-being is important. So I do feel like I can say it, 
but it doesn't remove <laughs> the pressure. Do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't. Yeah. It's still me at the end of the day. I, I would, and I would say, and that comes back down to us it being ingrained in us due to the time in which we grew up. And like you're saying, how our parents raised us. They didn't grow up in that time where that level of, yeah, um, they grew up in the, in the times of be a man, be a man, be a man, and probably taught us that in several different ways. Children going forward will feel like, because I, I can definitely say, for me as a dad, my boys got that off me. My boys saw me, you know, try, well, I hope they did see me do dad things, man things, you know what I mean? And I speak to them in a way that's like, yeah, come on. I don't think I ever did the man up, but definitely along those lines to put them in that frame of mind because that's how I was raised. But I think like the there are some other influences to my life now and their life in this new, new newer world, I would say, than what we grew up in, where they they see a bit more of emotion from me and and, and um, like I remember I remember there was one time when the boy one of the boys my, the eldest see me cry and I was like yo. Like, I can't let him see this. It obviously happened, and there was a reason for it. But I was conscious of, at that time, and you know when you try and make it, a, a, try and hide your face or turn yourself away or whatever, I was conscious of how I thought it would make, how it, how it would impact him seeing his dad cry. You know, obviously then came my wedding, and as you guys all know, like, there was a fly <laughs> in my eye that, you know, caused problems <laughs> on that day. But that generation yeah. thing is interesting that you said though, because like, like I said, historically it's been the, the what's the word I'm looking for? The stereotype is you know the man goes to work, the woman stays at home, the man carries everything on his shoulders. Like that that feels like it's changed, especially in the last five ten years where it's become more like like you said. Historically, it was kind of more like man up and get on with it. If you're a man, you deal with it because you're the man of the house. Whereas now it's like, because it's a lot more in the open, it feels like it's changed a lot. I don't know if everyone agrees with that. Or... Yeah, no, I do. I completely agree. I think, I think just to extend that point, I think what's, and probably a little bit on, on what Richard was saying as well, we, we I, th- I feel like our generation, so us in our 30s, even though it's quite a wide spectrum, and even in this conversation, there's quite a wide spectrum of age within 30. I feel like we represent the transition of, of yeah. two of two different thought thought sort of like ge- generations almost. Like yeah, so we're between two worlds. We come from like our parents and and you know society where it is that man up, the man goes to work and. You know, that was our parents, like, sort of growing up in that world. And now we're having children and, and, and everything, and we're surrounded by younger people where there is obviously greater equality in, in, the, world between, in the working world between men and women. There's great equality in the home world between men and women. And as a result, that whole ethos of man works, women stays at home doesn't exist anymore. And that has had wider consequences, positive consequences, right? And I think as a result, where 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 we are that generation that's transition that's 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 living that transition. Yeah. And there may not be another generation like us because generations previously lived in that old world and you know, once we're gone, those those future generations will will live with with just a, a much greater sense of equality, my hope. And I think as a result 
that has a consequence on on how mental health is treated for for the sexes. Yeah. Um, I think one thing though, just one second point to this that I think won't change, and I think this is something that's come about for me in the last few years. Don't get me wrong, like I, as as a transition, as I've seen the transition, I've lived with it, and as exactly what Joe, Joe was saying, like you evolve, like exactly what Rich you were saying that as well, like you've evolved. Do you know what I mean, you may have started off younger thinking in one way, and then you've realised that it's that you've transitioned to a, into another healthier means of, of, of expression, how you, expressing how you're feeling. Mm. But in the last few years, I think one thing that's come to mind for me is there has been man up moments. Um, if that's what I, you know, if that's what we want to call it. And that's because my wife's been dealing with pregnancy and labour and breastfeeding and all these other things that I can't really help with. I can support, but it's not me. It's not my body. It's not everything that I'm not growing a child and I'm not be feeling drained because I'm trying to feed two do you know what I mean? Two bodies and uh, mm. and dealing with all the 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 um, emotional shifts that 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 all leads to. So then there, there comes a point where you are telling yourself to man up because you do have to take a separate point. You have to a, a separate road, and it almost becomes it's a shared challenge mm. that each individual, when you become parents, it, it is is dealing with different things. That's an important thing that won't ever shift because, and, and then therefore there is going to come a moment where it's like, well, man up. Now, th- what I would say is that I'm only saying this because I'm a man and I'm married to a woman. There may be the case where if we spoke to a same-sex couple and one was, you know, or, you know, two females who were together and one was having a baby and one wasn't, the one that wasn't having the baby may feel also the same way I'm feeling, right? But I can only give the example of how I'm, how I've felt as this man and woman thing. So, yeah, I think that's never going to change. So, in those instances, if you're not, per- if you're not the person having a baby, growing the baby, there is going to be a man up where you'd be like, you know what? you've got to buck up because you've got to deliver other things because this person's dealing with other things. But aside from that, it is all equality at the moment. Yeah, and I find it interesting because to attach to what the point you just made there, good, is that I don't know necessarily if our parents and their parents' generations had that level. Well, I, I'm going to say it in this particular way because of, again, what we're saying, the times that we've grown up in. That level of clarity and honesty with what you just said do you know what I mean? Like, as in, I don't know if my dad considered it like that. I think my dad just thought to himself, i got to go to work, get this pee and bring it home. You know, but again, us growing up in what we are calling that transition period, it may be, we consider it, because I know I definitely consider it like a, a lot a lot more. Exa- exactly how you just explained, you know, a female having a baby and blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, that means a lot. But yeah. I, I don't believe that level of... um consideration was previously given because yeah, i because it for me i became the breadwinner and it was like oh hang on a minute there is no breadwinner in this household we just do everything the same and then suddenly someone's creating a baby and the other person's got to make the money do you know what i mean and then suddenly there is there is a there is a shift and that can play havoc with your mental stability because you're certainly in my relationship the grounding is equality everything's mm-hmm. the same do you know what I mean? And suddenly there is a dividing line. And I think that can 
bring you back? I mean, I don't know because I never lived there, but to what my dad probably felt, do you know what I mean, when he was younger and, do you know what I mean, and generations before him. Mm. I do have a follow-on question to that, Gerd, because I feel like you were probably going through things as well, like when the baby was being grown or when your wife is breastfeeding and stuff. And I think that's some of the problem is that then a man doesn't always feel like he has an outlet because he has to be, he has to consider obviously what his wife or his partner's going through, which is obvious, you would do that anyway. But who do you then, who's your outlet? Who do you talk to? Like, how did you deal with it? Absolutely right. Like I, the the, the way I took it was the fact is that it doesn't matter how I feel because it's nothing as, as important as to what my wife or my partner's going through, right? So I had no outlet, but that in part was because I wasn't looking for an out, outlet. It was that instance. I think that's probably my point in the sense that I'm like, actually just buck up, crack on, because... You have to. You, do you know what I mean? You need to just be here and you need to be the supporting mechanism for what's going on over here. And your, your feelings don't matter at this stage. That, that's how I took it. You're 100% right, because I think, Chris, what was interesting, when I did start MDC and that first conversation we had, Gerd spoke in a way, and I won't say specifically what he said, but Gerd spoke in a way that I realised he needed this. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a moment that Gerd really exposed something that he probably just, he, I don't even think, I think all of us that day anyway, majority of the guys who ended up speaking, didn't expect to speak the way we spoke that day. And Gerd said something that I'd, I'd never, ever thought stroke peered into because it was like, yeah, at the time he was just handling it. You know, he was totally handling it and totally just getting on with it. But then he still had the things in the back of his mind that was just talking to him. Because you're right, Chris, I don't think that happens enough. Mm. Still to this day, like I know, Gerd, you spoke about the equality aspect. And I think on both sides, there is so many different things that aren't still as equal or as good or as, you know, as advanced as we'd like them to be. But I do know one thing is that we, and, and everyone's kind of touched on it um, a little bit, is that, and I think it's, it's, it's more to do with being from the backgrounds that we are culturally, that our parents never had the air that we have. We've got a little bit more air to kind of put our heads above and really kind of take stock of what's going on to yeah. be able to assess how we're feeling and how we therefore express it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's really, really powerful as a, as a, a thing to, a powerful thing to understand. Because, yeah, man, I, I think about some of the frustrations that our parents must have been going through that they never ever knew. And, and I even said this, I had an interview not too long ago, specifically kind of talking about the same thing about our parents' dynamic and being a child of a, of, you know, first generation African child. So your parents have decided to come to a place where they don't nothing. What does that look like? And this woman is studying that in so many different, she's looking at all the different West African um, people in the diaspora, specifically on that subject. And, and like a big thing I, I spoke about was just, you know, there was two, there's a two sides of a coin that I never knew. There was something I said to my mom when I was nine and how we, I, I won't talk about it per se, but how I experienced it at nine was different to how now in, 20, in my 20s, I've had the conversation, I've heard her side. She experienced it so differently. But because of that time, she just was like, he's my child. He doesn't need to hear, see, understand it from that perspective. He's a child, that's it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So 
there is there is such a big shift now where when we do talk to our parents, they're probably a little bit more open, a bit more emotional, a bit more kind of giving of that side of them. And I've always said that I never ever knew dad how you know dad, Chris, because I've never seen that dad that side of him until you came into the picture. It was a whole different dad. Do you know what I mean? Number one, because you was a daughter. And number one, I guess, how you interacted with him. So yeah, this air that we now have, I think as a society to be able to kind of, whether it's pressure, whether it's expectation, whether it's the fact that, yeah, back then our parents financially probably had no support. They had no person here to help support them in their child rearing, house, you know, making, whatever it was, you know, that would have given them no opportunity to even be able to speak. And, and now we do have that opportunity, I guess, definitely among us lot anyway, to be able to express ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like you guys have all touched on basically what was going to be my next question, which was like, do you think your culture or upbringing has had some bearing on how you perceive mental health? Or like, was it something that was spoken about? So I know if I talk from my experience, like I probably spoke to mum more about these things, about how I was feeling, just because I always felt like I could have that conversation with her. But did you ever have any of you conversations with anyone in your family about mental health and how you should cope with it? Or was it just you carry on? So this, this is a huge question for me. And, it, and it, it, there's, there's so many elements to this, personally. I think and as I've grown up, I've realised there's a mad... You'd, I don't think any of it really had an effect on me and then I've realised that actually it's all completely affected me. So being of Sikh heritage, of Indian heritage from the north, like uh, of India, it, farming background and everything, I think for those that aren't aware, like Punjab has the the highest male suicide rate per capita in the world, certainly this century. And there's, there's many aspects for that which we can, we don't need to talk about, but I think it's indicative of of basically the, the setup of, of how men are, right? So absolutely not, right? No one, no guy talks, about, no man talks about their emotions, like from my cultural background. Like, it, it, you just don't talk about it. It's just not, you just crack on, you just work. It, it, it is certainly to what I was saying earlier, man goes to work, woman has the babies and makes the, makes the rotis and, and that's it, right? And that's basically, and, and that's it. And, and you know what? And that worked. It was fine. Like, even for me, like, my dad, in, in comparison, is actually a very emotional man. Like, he wasn't that stereotypical, you know, um, just hard um, Sikh, like, builder or whatever. Like, he was, like, he, he was actually, he was a bit of a creative, like, which is quite weird coming from a farming background. That's probably because he came to this country when he was 13, so um, he didn't really establish too much of that, of that, of that life within Punjab. But so for me, my dad became a father at a very young age. He wasn't able to be educated because he had to work. Soon he got to the country to pay for his younger brother to go through to school and basically just just get through things. And then at the age of nineteen, he got married. So he was there for six years. He worked in Petticoat Lane for six years. Got married. A year later had a child seven years later I had their fourth child and my man's got six mouths to feed and it's a lot right and he he literally went from child to man very quickly so whilst he yeah, he was an emotional person it never really you never really saw any of it 
in 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 anything really other than if he watches a film or do you know what I mean or, or something like that stuff irrelevant stuff do you know what I mean like peripheral things so as a result what did you see you saw uh, my dad stereotypically owned a corner shop basically he did that because he didn't want to be away from his kids he wanted to see his kids grow up so he sacked off the job at, at Dagenham Ford um, working night shift bought a shop and you know we lived we lived at uh, on top of it, very stereotypically. And um, but what do you see? You just saw my dad work. He got up at four, shop opened at five, shop closed at 11, and he went to bed. He used to sleep like four or five hours a day, never shut the shop for 13 years. Wow. So my man just got ground down because of the weight of responsibility. Mm. Never had no one to speak to because he was too busy trying to, trying to basically deliver for his family because that's all that he was taught. Again, mm. he went from being a child, moving to a country, working and saying, yeah, you're meant to work. You're the man. Oh, mm. by the way, here's a wife. Oh, by the way, here's four kids. Mm. And you, bye. And that's it. Like, granddad died two days after I was born and he was on his jones. He was like, that's it. Crack on. So, Official man. Yeah, so, yeah, that's it. So what happened to my dad was the fact is that essentially what happened to me, it, like substance, like he, he drank a lot of alcohol. Like he earned an off license. He submerged it with just that, basically just trying to get through and wouldn't bordering alcoholic, do you know what I mean, in the eighties, which was very common for that that Sikh community. Everyone everyone knows everyone knows a Sikh guy in London that drinks too much, right? Do you know what I mean? Everyone knows their dad. Everyone knows that guy's dad also drank too much as well. And that was probably my dad to a degree. And and then, yeah, like, he, all of his boys that he just came in the shop, it was all drinking, you know. A few of them killed themselves for the same pressures. Uh, I remember one of them, he, he uh, jumped in front of the train and he had two, like, twin boys, a seven-year-old. And, yeah, like, we had to, like, basically go and look after them as well. And it, it was just, a, it was just a, the same story. It was the same story of Indian men coming to this country, having to deliver for families, that was it. That was your only job. Don't make friends, don't do anything, just deliver. And then alcohol was the out, out, output. Um, so, yeah, like, so it's culturally ingrained for men to not talk in, in my culture. And it's just, and what's transpired in terms of British Sikhs is that substance abuse to a degree is the, out, is the output. Um, which, which in our instance is, is alcohol. For me, it was weed, but for them, it was it was alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the cultural thing is is I think, Christina, it's a whole other conversation, if I'm honest, because it is that that vast and that deep. Yeah. Now. But I did want to kind of just reiterate the work aspect. You know, that became where you put all your energy, definitely as a man. And when I look at my parents and then look at my dad, like Gerd saying, all I saw was him work. Dad worked. And that's what dad was known for. He came home, he ate, he went to sleep, and he worked. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't until, I would say, I don't know, maybe in his 40, early 50s that we saw any kind of change specifically. And that's when dad used to, like, jog. That was, like, the one thing that all of a sudden you're like, oh, there's this whole new aspect to health. And, you know, and I mean, that's by the by. But, yeah, it's the one thing that I think became the the thing that I had to do is that I just had to work. So there was no time for, for talking about emotions, feelings, or, 
you know, any of those other things. No, the point is you get to work, you get busy, you get stuff done and that's it. So I just wanted to kind of connect with that. But I did want to say it feels like that's a whole nother conversation for sure. It's interesting that you mentioned that, Michael, about dad and jogging and so on. Um, and I say that because I think I think that adds to our outlets. Like, for instance, where a man would go and meet up with his boys and or go gym and train with them. And then, you know, you have those meaningful conversations. Those We don't say too much to our friends, but we say enough, you know what I mean, to kind of, um, if you're having with, with stresses with the missus or whatever, you know what I mean, like even now being able to just say like, oh, I'm going for a ride for that interaction with some guys, just to have that guy talking, whatever it may be, whatever pressures I'm kind of going through. And I feel like even some, like there was those periods where I started jogging and looking after my health a bit more because it was even nice to have just that time to myself, that time alone to be able to think and not feel the slight pressures of being dad or, you know what I mean? Or, or work and, um, you know, staff and whatever, whatever it may be. So I feel like sometimes men do that, like to do that getaway uh, aspect of things, whether it's that they, like I say, whether it's that you do it by yourself or do it with others, I, I feel like that's definitely for me, it's been one that I've been able to attach myself to. Like, yeah, having that chat with the boys, that drink with the boys, with, with, well, with you guys even. Do you know what I mean? That's something that I've, I've really used, especially as I've got older, um, to, to my benefit. So you all basically answered the first part, but in terms of could you speak about it or in your head was it like there was nothing to speak about because you couldn't bring it up because it was something that your parents didn't speak about or do you remember identifying a time growing up where you could have said I'm not feeling good today and you could talk about it or was that just something you couldn't say? I would definitely say it's something I didn't think I could say you know and that's no one's fault you know whether it's mine or or parents or all of that. But there's just certain things that I just never ever would say. It wasn't until my 30s that stuff became, oh, okay, well, Michael, you're feeling this emotion. How are you going to express it? Then it's a call. And I mean, I, I don't want to kind of sideline the fact that there would be, it'd be women that I would talk to just as much as men I would talk to. It wouldn't I was going to say that. Yeah, it wouldn't be a specific kind of scenario that, you know, it's only a man can advise me. But yeah, it would never be an elder. That's what I think is sounding interesting. Like I'd never, I mean, I think as I've got older, I could probably talk to my parents about some stuff or, you know, you, you do sit down with your parents in a different format now. Do you know what I mean? It's not one where it's just, oh, how was, how's work? Um, what's going on here? You know, you actually go around to go see them, to go sit down with them and mm-hmm. to kind of go, hey, dad, how are you? What is really going on with you today? And I think that those questions do come back. And so you do find that. But yeah, it would never be an elder. It would definitely be, it could be you, Chris, or it could be Andrea, it could be uh, Rich. But yeah, I, I think definitely in my 20s, nah, man, I, I wouldn't talk about certain things. I just, I just couldn't. And, and it's, I'm struggling to try and think of when I did. But I think also you didn't, I just didn't know myself. I didn't, I hadn't learned who I was by that time properly. Do you know what I mean? I knew I made music. That's, Sorry? That's critical. Until, yeah. Until you feel like you can know yourself, like, I do not to cut you in, but I am, um, even when I was younger, like, mental health for me wasn't a thing. Like, I, I think what I think it was for a lot of people is like, it didn't exist. Or if it mm. did, it was so minimal, it was, you speak to a counsellor, 
you go take therapy. That's 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 your that's your way out. There's no like you don't have a conversation like through school. You never learn anything about this. You didn't speak to like, I didn't speak to my mates. I didn't speak to girlfriends, family about this. It was never touched upon. That was probably also because I was raised by an older generation. Like, like I said earlier, you end up being in that phase of like it wasn't around 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago. It's only now coming to the public eye. So like. I think now you could easily go to whoever and go, yeah, you know what? I am struggling with X, Y, and Z. Or like for you guys, yeah, you probably could go to your parents and be like, yeah, you know, this is a bit of an issue. But like, like you said, maybe like 20 years ago, 15 years ago, when you didn't know yourself, you couldn't have that conversation. And that's yeah. how it is. Like, I never, I've never spoken about anything until like two years ago, maybe. And really like, like you said, when you get into your 30s, you get to that stage of being like, Ah, shit's real. Like, I'm an age now where I've got a career, I'm in a long-term relationship, like, I've got a roof over my head, I've got a good job, everything, everything's setting itself up to be in place, and it's that time you get really in check with your emotions and probably be able to start talking about it more because you are getting older, and maybe you are a bit wiser to it as well, whereas when you're younger, like I said, I don't give a fuck about talking about it. I don't even know whether to talk about it, who to talk about it. It was just... Mm. You go to a doctor or that's it. But because yeah. of it, Agreed. And if, you, and if you didn't talk to a doctor, you just ended up, like I said, you harbour it. And you end up being in a situation where you just feel like you run away from it rather than like go, right, I'm actually going to express it all, get it all off my chest. That's what I mentioned earlier about the, the pint glass. It's like filling full of water and all of a sudden you get to the top and it'll start tipping over. And it's how you deal with that, getting in line with your emotions, getting in line with your anxieties, your fears, whatever it may be, and how you deal with that rather than letting that glass continually get full each time. Because you're gonna, it's going to repeat. Yeah. I mean, definitely my art became that because I, I was thinking also about what Gerd was talking about in terms of the outlets and, and even when he thinks and, and talks about his dad's experience. For me, it was making music. I was lucky in that regard that I guess even though I, there must have been some other negative aspects to it, but that was the positive aspect is that it did just trend, all of that energy, I think, Chris, just transferred into me doing something physically mm. and that, that kind of work. That's often a release for a lot of people is like doing something that, like you said, they know that you, you can put that energy into something that will take your mind off it as well. Mm. But like, I think going back to your question is whether you could, was it whether you could speak or, or tell someone you're speaking to someone? Yeah. It, I think now it's a lot easier, but historically, nah, it's, it's not going to run. Do you know what it was for me? I think, um, Joe, it touches on the point that you made. Like, I don't even think back in the day, I even knew and, un- and or understood mental health, like in the way that we're talking about it now. With two parents that work for the NHS in some capacity, to me, mental health was like the people that I saw my parents looking after. And, you know, I went to their workplaces, I interacted with those people. So those people were so normal to me. You know, the people that were at, at their workplaces were just people that I interacted with, played with, marked about. So as I grew, I, I saw that those were people with mental health issues, let's say in some ways or forms, and they were just normal people. So I'd, ne- I'd never, ever thought about my mental health and let's say the times that I would talk 
to myself in my head, let's say, or, you know, you ask yourself a question because you're in a particular situation at a time and you're reasoning with yourself about it. And you're like, so we took a bit of growing up and a bit of understanding myself. And I, like I say, a big trigger for me was becoming a parent before I started to think about how I was interacting with myself. Could I speak to my parents about it? Maybe my mum. And like, like I said, Michael touched on it before. Maybe I talked to the females in my life about it, but I weren't about to go and speak to my dad about it. I talk to my kids about any and everything. Like they, like stuff that maybe I shouldn't even say to them because they, they maybe they don't need to know that little bit. Maybe they don't need to, no. But now, because I want them to be as free to be able to come to me and talk to me about any and everything because I understand those pressures that we put on ourselves as men. And I don't want them to, you know, be totally blindsided by maybe some of the pressures that I put on them when they were younger, when I thought it was all about be a man, be a man, come on. And one thing that, I'm going to say in this funny way, I think anyway, one of the questions I have is about identifying your emotions. So as a female, if it's my time of the month, I'm always going to get put down to be, oh, you're, you're angry, you're extra um, angry because you're on your period or whatever. So with guys, because you don't have that kind of time of the month per se, like, do you feel like you have been able to identify your, your emotions to the point where you're like, I'm off? Like, I know that I'm not okay and I need to take some time out. Because I feel like with females, we get brandished in this box, like, it's your time of the month, you're acting this way, so go and be go and be that way. But because you guys don't have a specific time, my question is, like, can you, are you at a stage where you're able to identify your emotions and go, I'm off balance? Chris, I'm going to say something a little bit controversial. <laughs> we're, we're, women and men, they all have hormones. And I believe men have hormonal fluctuation, fluctuations in their lives, whether or not it's called time of the month or whether it's called menopause, because I think that's the new thing that's come out now is that there is this whole study of men have this menopausal moment in their lives as well, hormonally, right? And yeah, I think, I think that that moment is a reality for guys where you just have this, uh, like, you know, there was one day I woke up, um, and I mean, obviously it's COVID time, so it's a whole different set of emotions that we're kind of dealing with. But that was just one day I was angry. I'm just angry. And I, I could have left the house. I could have walked out. And I would have just picked a fight with someone and just had this fight. And then, you know, first and foremost, I'm putting myself in danger. Secondly, you know, there's a possibility I'm going to get arrested. Thirdly, you know what I mean? I don't know what kind of situation is, is going to transpire from all of the cascade of things from having this anger. But I just could feel it. I just was like, I'm angry today. Mm. You know? and, and I don't know whether it's... And I mean, I, I have it with my other friends as well. Like when I speak to some of my friends, they'll call up and just say, now nah, today I'm just pissed off. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what I mean? It's like you kind of get it, but I think the hardest part of it or the frustration, and I'm not talking about just the anger per se, I'm thinking that moment you're describing, the frustration with it, I think more than anything else, is you don't have that reason. Do you know what I mean? Where... If it was, oh, you know, and, and, I, and I speak, you know, with a lot of respect to this fact that some women might say, um, oh, the reason why I was like this that week was because I was coming up to my period. Or the reason why um, I felt this way was because I was on my period. With us, we don't have this thing. The reason why I feel this way was because of this, that, and the other. If, if you was going to a therapist and you was having those conversations maybe the therapist would turn around and, and, and just say we did it as exercise. The same way we go to the gym, we just went to the therapist, right? 
maybe the therapist could give you that understanding. But that's the frustrating thing, I think, for me, is that you don't have that thing that makes you go, oh, he's going through X. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, you know, oh, just take some time. Just do, you know, you're just given some kind of, you're fobbed off with some, just do this. And it's like, no, sometimes, yeah, you do wake up and you're just off. And I've understood more than anything else, it's fine to just say, especially, if, you know, I live on my own, but especially if you live with someone, just to say, today, I'm just not this. Do you know what I mean? And, and like some people spoke about the idea of, of exercising or going out with the mates or whatever it is, you just find out whatever that thing is to alleviate that, then that's cool. But yeah, I think the frustration I sit with is, yeah, I do think <laughs> we get those things, but at least, and, and as I said, I say it respectfully, at least it's identified as something for a woman. Mm. But for, for us as men, it's not really 100% identified because it's just fobbed off to you being, are you being emotional? And that, like, that, like, that's a bad thing. Mm. The thing is as well, though, to what you just said about, um, I can't remember what it was now, but basically it's like, historically, if somebody asked you, are you, you all right? You seem a bit like angry. You seem pissed off. You seem a bit down. You go, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, no problem. Whereas now people are a lot more like, like, like me with Chris, for example, she'd be like, probably three years ago, four years ago, she'd be like, you're all right. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, of course. Because I'm, you know, I'm fresh in a relationship. Like, like you said, that, not stigmatism, but that stereotype of like, I'm a man, but I'm fine. I'm cool. Yeah. Something has pissed me off, but you don't need to know about it. I can deal with it myself. Whereas now she's like, are you cool? I'm like, nah, I'm having a bit of a wobble. Like, this has thrown me off. Like, how can I talk to you about it? It's a lot more open now than, like I said, maybe what it has been in, in the past. Yeah, I think what Mike was saying about women can use... not. <sighs> You have to be so careful, bro. It's not like... Yeah, people, oh, actually, I was pissed off this week because I was on a period, right? And... Fine. That may be the case or may not be the case. The reality is, is that as human beings, we are emotional, like, animals, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's the be-all and end-all. There's nothing more, there's nothing less to it. Once you've gone beyond puberty and your body has done all the growing that it needs to do, that's it. You just live with it. I can only speak for myself. I would find it weird and uh, don't get me wrong like i'm not belittling people with these issues but for me personally i'd find it odd to not be able to to determine the reasons why i feel in a certain way mm. um generally because i'm just tired or i'm stressed because of work or or i'm tired do you know what i mean like they're the generally the two reasons why i may lash out I may work, wake up in a bad mood because I've gone to bed in a bad mood or I've woken up knowing what my day is going to be like so I'm instantaneously vexed anyway or despondent or whatever. That's just natural. It's not a sex thing. It's not... I think it's just, it's just a human thing, right? And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that everyone finds that very easy. I'm sure that there are many people in the world that find it hard to make the connection between why am I feeling like this? And and I also understand that there are um, longer sort of issues that people have which, which span a longer period of time, which can sometimes just naturally turn up in your psyche and affect you. 
But I don't have that. So I, I can't talk. I, can't, I don't think I have that. So I can't really talk of it. And if I do, it probably doesn't affect me in any real way. I think if, I think the more day-to-day are the things that would affect my mood uh, and put me in a good place or a bad place. So I can... So so really, what am I trying to say? I just feel like it's a human... It's a human thing, man. That's what it is. <laughs> 100%. No, I was going to just say, like, I, I do feel like there is an area where, as a man, you don't 100% get all the opportunity to express yourself in this holistic way. And and I think for me, it's it's when you're in a relationship, and I know you guys, I'm not in a relationship currently, you guys are all in relationships, right? And, you know, and long-term ones as well, specifically. It's like, you do feel sometimes, like, you have to back down on your emotions because she, you know, has what's going on with her, whether it's work, whether it's, um, you know, friendships, whether it's emotions, specifically about self and, and, and things going on with them. You know, I think the latest kind of one is the imposter kind of thing. Um, just depression in general or the idea of, um, you know, yeah, that time of the month that you know you're going to feel it where she's going to speak in a particular way or act in a particular way. So, you, you know, because you've been together in a while, you kind of understand it or acknowledge it. But you kind of feel, and I, I would say I'm, I'm speaking about it for myself, you kind of feel like you can't talk about your emotions because they're dealing with so much. They're dealing with, with, with all of those other kind of things that go on. But it's like you do kind of get put to the wayside that way. You don't think that that thing you said or that thing you did or the conversation or, or the experience as a whole in a relationship is going to affect me in some way. So you do feel like, well, I have felt like at times I can't really speak about my emotions. And then it becomes so difficult because what you've ended up doing really is you've loaded up your gun with all the emotions. So then when, like um, Joe was talking about, it spills over, it just feels like you're just coming with all of these things and all of these thoughts that you've been going through. And then, yeah, it can just be a bit overwhelming because I don't know, and and this is maybe a little bit more controversial as as a thought, and it's definitely based on my experience, my experience alone, is that, you know, you're kind of either overdoing it by talking so much about those things or sometimes women in other relationships specifically haven't had those emotions from men before so they don't know how to handle what you're kind of throwing out or putting out mm-hmm. and I mean that could be so many different things that could just be someone's emotional intelligence they don't have as much or you know they haven't experienced as much it could be also so many different things but where my experience has lied is that they they they're not expecting all of that because men don't talk so all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're talking it's like whoa this is a I, this is uncharted territory i'm i'm sinking here right now they don't know how to kind of deal with it and it makes them feel even worse do you know what i mean they feel so much worse and and i'm i'm talking about my experience as i said it's like they feel so much worse that you feel this way and it's like mm-hmm. as a man and this is, as I said, I say disrespectfully, you've dealt with a woman's period before. You've dealt with the emotions and the issues that have come with a woman's period. Everyone's different, but you've dealt with that. So personally, you're kind of in a space where you're like, okay, you're yeah, she's going through that today. So you kind of have, um, you know, you've had training. You've had exercise with that. Some women yeah. ain't. So it's like you overload them with all of this and then they're like, 
fam, I don't know how to even respond. I don't know how to treat treat this situation. I don't know how to deal with it. So I, I wanted to make that. It's more controversial, and, and I wanted to kind of spice up the conversation a little bit. But also at the same time, it was like, it's a reality for me. You know, so sometimes you don't want to talk, or you don't want to talk about that emotion because you just don't want to stress the situation. I don't know if any of you guys have, have felt that before, and I think it's kind no, of that's difficult because you guys are in relationships as well. No, that's a very, honestly, such a very, very good point, I would say. Like, I've, as, and, I, and I say that as in, I don't know if I've ever thought of it like that. I don't know if I've ever thought of it like that. So it's good for you to mention it and sort of articulate it in that way because it made me kind of think about myself in a bit. Like, yeah, just, just quite reflective. Hearing I think, you say that. Um, for me, it feels, it feels more to the points around there are some people who are slightly more emotionally um, mature than others, uh, less so probably around, just my opinion, right? Less so around um, the fact that, uh, in your example, you know, like you've had the experience of dealing with people's emotional issues. And the example was, you know, being a period. I think I feel like it's it's more to do with being with people who are more, more as emotionally matured as you are. Um, like, so for me, like I will choose to not necessarily, and, and this is my decision, right? And I was use the word burden because I can't think of anything else um, to burden my partner with issues that I'm going through because I realized that she's going through shit as well. Like, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, I'm not really it's not probably going to make me feel any better I think I'll probably just go to bed about a shit day you're dealing with loads of crap today I can already see that so I'm like you probably hearing about my crap isn't probably going to make you feel any better either so let's just leave it and do you know what it might it might get to a point in six months time where there is this massive avalanche or maybe there's not, you know, or maybe there's just like, cool, actually, it was probably better that we didn't speak about it because it was so not important and I've woken up and it's a new day and I feel a lot better today just by sleeping on it anyway. But but that's what exactly what I'm saying. You're kind of highlighting exactly what I'm saying, G, like in a roundabout way. I mean, I, I've said it a little bit spicy just to make it a little bit more, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to do, but... It's like, yeah, bro, sometimes just as a guy, you just feel like I'm just not going to burden you with that. You're dealing with so much stuff. You're going through all of that. You know, so-and-so at work said this. Um, this particular thing happened. Your mum said this. You know, and so you're going through all of this stuff and you're feeling that way, but you're like, today, I'm just not going to give it to her. And then, yeah, bro, what ends up happening is, like you're saying, that tsunami, you know, <laughs> just washes over some days. And what we, I think... Personally, I don't think it it does the relationship justice. And I say I, I'm a single guy here right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm a guy who's not in a relationship. So how dare I say such a thing? Because maybe I don't know it so well. But at the same time, it just feels like we don't get the practicing of everyone hearing everyone's emotional stuff mm. and knowing how to kind of work on it together. Mm. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Because we're we're kind of robbing the relationship of that side of ourselves, which is always yeah. happening. Do you get what I mean? And I mean, it's just a thought. It's not really that I've answered a question. It's just a thought that I just wanted to kind of throw out. The only thing I wanted to add to your point 
um, about the whole kind of period situation. I kind of do want to go back to it and just talking about things is like, I find as a female, because we do have that thing, it's always the reason. And it's not always the reason. Like, as Gerd said, it is just about being human. But no matter what it is, I find, like, if I'm feeling a certain way, it's always going to be like, oh, what are you coming on? Or what are you on? Like, why are you like this? And it's, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, I can't just feel away because I want to feel away. It's got to be yeah. down to my period. So although you, like, you, your example was that at least men, like, women have this thing, I find that it's always the thing that's used as the yeah. reason I mean, why I'm annoyed. <laughs> is that in previous relationships? That has more to say about your partner, I think. No, no. Listen, this connection is a bit rusty. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because what we're, what we're kind of describing is just grass is always greener, isn't it? It's like, I'm saying, oh, I wish, you know, well, not I wish. I don't I don't wish for anything. I mean, I'm just part, part of the conversation. I am probably thinking to myself, yeah, it would be awesome to have a precursor that could exist. And I guess with you, you're like, I don't want it to be that the point all the time. Yeah. And I think that that's, anyway, for a dude, that's a, that's a dangerous territory to try and talk to you. Yeah, it is. I think right now, because you're angry, you're angry because of this. What, you want to compound the angriment? <laughs> you actually want to make her more angry. So, yeah, I mean, you just never ever use that as, um, as an excuse. I think as a man, anyway, I, I, I wouldn't. But more than anything else, yeah, you know, Gerd's not wrong. It's just the reality of being human. And that's what I kind of wanted to, that's what I started. Yeah. We are and hormonal too. The know? other thing that I would touch on as well is like, for me personally, I know like you've mentioned that you wouldn't want to like add your stress onto your partner's stress. But one thing I would say is, even if it's not the right time, I definitely feel like it's something you should talk about at some point. Because I feel like, me, I like to know how the other person is feeling. Like, I don't think my feelings come before anybody else's. But I'm not, I get that what you're saying is like, at the time, you don't want to add to it. But I feel like I don't want to wait till the, the shotguns fall. And I don't want to wait till the glasses fall to have a reaction. Because I, I don't know about other people, but I take that reaction of whatever it is so badly. And I'm like, well, why haven't you spoken about it? Like, personally, for me, one thing I can't stand is getting halfway down into something and finding out that you've been feeling a particular way in months, but I'm only finding out about it now. Like, I feel like it should be something that we speak about, whether you think it's the right time or not, eventually. Yo, absolutely, man. Like, and I think I've got the beauty in my relationship in the fact that we'll make sure we'll ask each other how we are each day. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not a flippant um question like it's not just something that you just say like you just do it you ask when you're ready which is normally at the end of the day so you may be aware that um it was like today actually uh, let's talk about today an absolutely shocking day right shocker um my daughter pisses pissed her pants she's only two like do you know what i mean like in the garden we were planting new seeds i was fuming and she just just to get some attention, she started to piss herself. We were moving the whole morning and I, I had enough, right? Um, and the day didn't really get that much better throughout the day. So um, my wife knew that she was vexed. Like, I was vexed and I wasn't having a good day and I was going to lose it. Um, now, if I need to talk about it, I could have quite easily spoken about it. And, you know, and she's going through her own stuff today as well. So she wasn't having the greatest day either. Um, 
But it got to probably at, I think it was probably six o'clock. So we were just about to go and put uh, have bath time with um, with the baby. And she said, are you all right? And she obviously knew I'd had a bad day. Do you know what I mean? And it was that moment. It wasn't like, and it was the moment where she was ready to take in what I needed. And I was like, yeah, I'm all right. Like, I'm okay. I'm fine. Like, it's okay. I've got over the day. You get me? Um, and I don't feel that I've missed out because if I really needed to explode, I could explode, but she sensed it anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't the case of, oh, like her running away. It was fairly obvious that I was having a bad day. Um, talking about it probably wouldn't have helped. It was a case of let's just crack on with the day, right? And yeah. when we're ready to talk about it, we can talk about it. But we try to give each other the opportunity to talk by making sure that we ask one another um, how we are each day. And that's um, what the powerful thing was, bro, that you're talking about communication, but communication even more so where just even that acknowledgement was probably good. Even though you didn't talk about it, you just yeah. got acknowledged. Do you yeah, know what man. I mean? I think that that's what the powerful thing is, is that you do feel like you're in a space where regardless, because I think that's the thing more than anything else, is that, yeah, okay, we didn't go into it, we didn't go granular, we didn't go deep, but she acknowledged it. She just was like, yeah, how are you? You all right? Absolutely. Um, and, and should it always take, I think, I don't know whether I, I'm just throwing this to everyone, but should it always take a moment of your silence or you to be in that space for that question to happen? Or should it be in a relationship that you guys should actually have a forum or a moment, like you said, like if it's the end of the day, is that the time where we always should check in? I think it's, it's human nature. Everyone needs to check in with each other. I think if you're living your life with someone every day, your obligation to make sure that the other person's okay and you're giving that person a moment the days go so very quickly, right? A day can go, you can do nothing in a day and it, and it can still leave you feeling worn out, negative, stressed, whatever. I think now even more so than ever as well. Yeah. 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 Like while, it, while it's like this, like we all live in London. We, we haven't got the biggest places in the world. Like it's when you're cooped up with someone, like look at me and Chris, our flat isn't huge. So for us to be in that confined space constantly where she's working all day, we have to have that thing in the evening of just being like, like I said, it may not be every day, but it's like, how was your day? Or like once a week, we'll do a 10, 15 minute chat and go like, have you done what you wanted to do this week? How are things going? Have you set out your objective to do this? Have you, why haven't you done that? Kind of like just an overview of everything that's gone on. So like you said, when you're living with each other and, and you're spending that much time together, and like I said, especially now when you're not really seeing anyone else apart from that other person, you, you, you need to check in, to, like you said, to see how they are, 100%. Yeah, because I, I know one thing that um, the wife and I used to do would be, like, after work, that journey home, we'd have that download and that debrief of how was your day and so on, so that when we got... And it was something that we did consciously, so that when we got home, it was just us time, and we tried to concentrate on us and our home and what we're trying to do for us and our family and so on and so forth to have that, that, that that's now gone, I guess, in this, in this kind of COVID world. So we do still do it. Don't get me wrong, but this, that little 
that travel and download. We still try and do that download every day. Just to kind of, like you say, just check in and see how each other are and, you know, the little frustrations and stuff that we're going through. Mm-hmm. So, but I think we touched on it earlier on, like where I would say the majority of the time when I spoke to someone, it was not, it was, the majority of the time it was, it, it was always a female rather than me speaking to a man or a, a um, yeah, another, a male or something like that. Like even the time that I considered speaking to a counsellor, I was conscious of wanting to speak to a female. I have no idea why, but, um, you know, I had someone recommend someone to me. Um, and, and the reason why I wanted to do it was because of work. The job I was doing at the time, obviously, quite, I don't know what it's called, quite, quite a stressful job, quite dealing with pressurised, high-intensity situations all the time. So I said to myself, oh, sometimes I feel like I need to speak to someone. Because I said, if not, if I'm not careful, I'll get to a stage when I'm hitting those later on in life, hopefully dementia ages, where some of the stuff that I've dealt with throughout my job will come back to haunt me. To cause me some problems. So like, don't get me wrong. And like the times I have had serious incidents happen for me at work where there have been heavy situations happen, like I've said before, I've been able to touch base with certain people with my friendship network to be able to discuss those things instantly. Michael, you know of one significant one that happened to me where I called you straight away because that's my coping mechanism. That's my circle. So, you know, um, but yeah, I have considered at times where I need to speak to someone just to help me manage Mm. or help me find other ways of dealing with, you know, the things I've seen, gone through my, yeah, just me. Yeah. I wanted to add another perspective that I don't think and I think it's only recently, it's only in the last few months that I've realised that, and it's definitely with the idea, Rich, of, 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 of advice. For me, I think personally, because of what I do and because of the world it's in, meaning music and entertainment, and because, you know, for want of a better word, there has been a lot of success in what I've done, I don't think people check in with me. They look at my life as, oh, it's all roses. You run around with these artists and you're, you're flying to this country and you're doing all these different things. Oh, you, you got five stars in The Guardian. You got five stars in, in The Evening Standard. You're obviously flying high. And as an artist, this is why a lot of people, like you know about The 27 Club, whether it's Amy Winehouse or you know any of those other characters. People see your life as you're coping and you're, you're working on it. You're, you're doing good, you know. I, I've never 100% felt supported in that other aspect of my life because, oh, Mikey doesn't need the help. He's doing good. He's always smiling. He's happy. I mean, but that's what happens. When we take a photo, we all smile, don't we, regardless of what's going on. So if you look at my life, if you was to look at my life from a social media perspective, you're always going to think, yeah, science popular. Oh, Mike's with this person. Mike's with that person. You know, and, and because you cope with things well, I don't think I've ever really felt that supported in that way because a lot of the time, people are just saying, well, you're doing good, aren't you? Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is where, you know, Richard, that question of advice always comes in. It's like, I only sometimes get true solace and true conversation, and this is no disrespect to any of you guys or any of my family in general, but from other artists, because we know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? 
our, our situation is not regular. And I'm not saying that like I'm special because I'm definitely not. I'm trying to say more than anything else. I'm just like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, no one really wants to kind of, you know, just check in in that way. Like I've never felt what Rich has described, it never ever happened to me in a relationship before where someone's just walked in and just said, bruv, how was your day? You know, but instantly you say this particular work that you're doing and how you're doing it and it just feels, oh, you're flying high. Mm. Yeah, that was actually going to be my kind of next question to follow on from basically what both you and Richard had said was like, have you ever kind of sought or looked out for professional guidance, whether that be like a counsellor or therapist or so on? Because as you said, in your case, Michael, like you're able to connect with other artists. Like when I chose to do CBT, for example, which is cognitive behavioural therapy, I chose to do it because I wanted to speak to someone else who was outside of my friendship circle, was outside of my family circle, because I felt my perception was my family are always going to be there for me. They're always going to want the best for me, but I actually need an outside perspective who isn't going to weigh it down to your friendship or your relationships or your, you know, your work specifically because they know you in that environment. I wanted yeah. to speak to someone outside of that with who would just look at my story as my story and not the things around me. They're taking what I've said, basically. So have any of you ever like, I know Richard said he's thought about it, but have you ever considered or have you done it? I've done it. Like, I had it part of me when I was younger. I did one session and, like, the pent-up frustration even going there was crazy. And I ended up literally just going, nah, fuck this. Like, I just couldn't open up. And it probably leads into what I was saying earlier about the age thing and actually finding yourself. Like, this is during school, didn't do it. Like I said, had one session, I was like, no, nah, I can't do this. Went to uni, dealt with everything myself, dealt through the rest of the next 10 years just doing it until it got to the point. That's why I keep using that euphemism of, I don't know if it is a euphemism, actually, I don't know what it is, or whatever it's called, where that, the, the glass gets to the point where it's so full, it tips over, and you end up being like, no, nah, you know what? And it's like, it's like what Chris said, it's like, I could... I could easily read one of you guys and say this is what's going on but like I said I know you guys would be there anyway so for me to have that conversation with someone that doesn't know me is never really going to know me any more than they do already and to be able to go blurt everything out means I can do that on a, on a level that like I said they don't know who I am but it's, and it's, it's like a release whereas I think if I, if I was to have that conversation with you guys I know I could do but like I said, it's like what Chris said as well. It's, it's that I know you guys are there anyway. And because you know me, it makes it a bit different to have that conversation. I, I kind of get what you said. Yeah, I kind of get what you said. I knew the next thing you said was going to be, does that make sense? I knew I got there in a roundabout way. Yeah. I think for me, I'll touch on the fact that, um, yeah, I've considered it before. About two or three times in my life have I hit something that I'm like, no, I don't know how to manage, but for one, uh, is this too much for a family member or a close friend? Maybe I need some um, outside input here, yeah, definitely. And it's funny because recently I had a close friend of mine have a serious, like he, he dealt with the COVID situation is the best way to put it. And he said after that, uh, there were some other issues going on and he had spoken to someone and he's like, everyone needs to do it, bruv. Like, I feel X, I feel what? Like, the level of elation that he felt and 
extra power that he believed this thing gave him, him having this conversation with someone. And he, and he is someone that um, is a positive thinker and a positive liver anyway. So it, it, it tipped me that bit more. I was like, yeah, man, maybe I should do it. Just to, like, it, it, it felt like he had spoken to like a mentor or something like that, let alone a professional mental health worker, let's say, or, or whatever you want to call him, I don't know, or a psychiatrist or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I, it felt like he spoke to someone that gave him that little push. So it, it did make me say to myself, yo, Rich, maybe you try this. Maybe you try actually taking the time and having that deeper delve conversation with someone else outside again. But I haven't done it as of yet. The most difficult part of it all is taking that first step to do it. Mm. Until, well, until you get over that hurdle, it's... I've got people, I know people that are not in the same situations that I've been in, but like, they're in similar situations. I've said to them, like, like what you said, Rich, I, I recommend doing it. Just even if it's, even if you've not got that much on your mind, just 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 do it and, and see what comes from it. And like I said, they're like, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. They haven't. And I, I, it's not my place to say, oh, why haven't you done it or why aren't you doing it? But even from my experience, that first hurdle of actually going, right, I need to sit down and have this conversation. It's fucking difficult. Like, because you're speaking to a stranger and it's like that stranger is going to get into your life. And it's like, until you until you can face that fear of going, right, you know what, I'm actually going to sit down in front of you and talk to you. It's, it's, it's difficult. I've got another perspective. You know, I think listening to everybody's thought and I think definitely Rich, like the idea of doing it in my head it makes 100% sense. So what I'm going to say next is going to be hilarious. Because, like, it makes sense. It's like, it's just like any other muscle, isn't it? You go to, you know, you want some extra help with, um, I don't know, you with some weight loss or some strength you want to create in your body, you go to a PT. You go and talk to that PT. They'll give you some true understanding. They've sat down. They've had all of the tutelage to understand how to kind of deal with and not know what to look for and how to say, oh, your technique is off. Let me write your technique. It makes 100% sense to me. But then, as I said, I sit in this other space where my life is always judged. Music is just that. Do you know what I mean? Where someone goes, oh, that was good, you know, or that was rubbish. And the papers say this, or the papers say that, the reviewers say this, the critics say that, you know. There's, there's so many different kind of aspects where I'm always, I guess, to some part on show. It's like there's another part of me that I just want it to be mine and to be in my personal circle. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like that's, it is part of me which I own in that realm. And, and, and it's a weird, that's what I'm saying, it's a weird way to kind of think because, like, it's the reason why I left university. You know, when I was doing music specifically, and I could just see that there was this one lecturer who just didn't like me. He just wasn't into me. He, he, I think his opinion was he probably thought something like, oh, that guy thinks he's too smart. Classic, you know, it's the classic thing I've always had. Oh, this guy thinks he's this or this guy thinks he's that. And I'm not thinking anything. I just want to make my music. That's who I am. But then it made me just realize that this guy's opinion or this guy's vibe on me is determining my grade. This is ridiculous. How is his personal emotions to what I'm creating defining my grade, whether I'm going to get a second, a first, or a third? So it made me say, nah, let me just go into the real world and do this. I mean, among other things, but that was one of the, the thoughts. And so it's just like, 
my personal life is one thing that I can have for me. Do you know what I mean? Like that I can totally control and own. And yeah, so I think I'm battling with not the concept of doing it, but the idea of having every part of me exposed when there's some things you just want to hold and have between you, your family, and more than anything else, it'd just be great to have that with one particular person. But I just wanted to add that as a, another perspective because I do agree with both of what you're saying, but I know I have that thought and feeling in myself. Yeah. But I would say, sorry, G, I would say, you say that, Mike, but everyone in one way or another feels judged in their day-to-day. Do you know what I mean? Whether it be at work, I think it's because, and I might be getting this wrong here, I think it's, again, because we're having this conversation as folks that we're not even talking on that social networking side of things where there's that level of judgment um, because we don't maybe we're really interact with it like that. And I don't think many, well, there are several men that do interact with social media like that, but even that level of feeling judged, boy. Yeah, that's, that's one part of my life. Like, it's the one thing that I've, I think a lot of people don't understand, not that they have to understand or have to care about it. It's part of my business. You go out in the world and you try to say, this is my work, people pay for it. You have to expect that energy and that's cool. But yeah, it just puts you into this space where you do want to keep loads of things for yourself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You want to keep these things personally between you and your people. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 as I said, I think it's, it's a funny thing for me to say, yeah, I see the benefits, it's all amazing. But then yeah, I think the artist side of me is just like, yeah, but that's for you and your family. That's for, you know, your personal space. Because no disrespect, you know, but stuff comes out. People find out that you're doing X, Y, and Z, and then things come out, oh, look, this is what what's actually happening with, you know. And it becomes a tool or a, an agent against you, mm. you know. So that's why I don't put, I, I try not to put any of my personal life out there. You know, people just know Mikey J, they know the work, and that's it. My argument to that, not argument as such, actually. But no, but, yeah, yeah. brother, I want to hear that, to be honest. What you share with whoever, counsellor, therapist, whatever, that's between you and them, and you can only share what you want to share. It's not like you're going in there and going, this is my whole life story. Like, so you will still have that element of the, the stuff you want to keep with yourself. And you're very different to me as well, in the sense that you speak what's on your mind. And like you said, I'm finding it now more as I've got older, but ever since I've known you, you've been someone that will say it as it is, but also like you're in tune with your emotions. Whereas you, you'll start a conversation around it. Like I said, I'm more of a listener, whereas you're more of a probably a talker. So you, you, you'll happily start that conversation. You'll happily start that dialogue, which maybe means that in your personal space, you can keep things. And because you are so open, you can engage with everyone around it. Whereas... For someone like me that is more of like a more of a listener and in like a public situation, I won't really speak about shit like this. Like that person that I can speak to outside of family is someone that I will share stuff with, if that makes sense. Mm. I also think it's one to note that it's one of those things where it doesn't work for everybody anyway. Yeah. So it does depend on the person. And like you said, you can go to one session and realise it's not for you as well. Um, so that's just something to bear in mind. And just to, just my just my two pence on it, like I think Joe, you've hit it on the head in a sense that it works for you because you necessarily are at a stage where you won't feel comfortable talking, you know, openly about things. You know, on, on the contrast with myself, 
But I've never considered therapy like, or, or, or so I say, what did I say therapy for? For, you know, just speaking to someone professionally about how I feel. I think my output's always been a bit of a weird one. I think we've spoken about this a few months ago, weirdly, us little, uh, as, a, as a crew. So because of my work, and also because of my friendship circles, which are quite varied, and I know a lot of different people all around, all around the country, um, and because I travel so much at work, I end up spending a lot of time, like evenings or time in the pub or having dinners with people who I may know, but I don't know that well. So it could be like clients or it could be like friends of friends that I may know for many years, but I've only met them four or five times. I think, or, or actually it may, it may just be someone who, I stay in the ho- who, who I stay in the hotel with and I see regularly in the bar. You know what I mean? After a couple of months, you end up being, oh, I saw you here last week, et cetera, et cetera. And then what happens is, is that you end up having those conversations. And for me, weirdly, they're, they're the outputs. So I completely agree with you all in a sense that I think there's a need. There's conversations that you need to have not with your family. Right, I think uh, to what Chris was saying earlier, uh, I think you articulated it a bit better than I did just then. But um, and you're absolutely right. And I think for me personally, those conversations with those people that I may know, but they're not in my inner circle, being open enough for me to speak to those it is almost like my counselling. Now, to Joe's point, you you might be that character where you're not necessarily that open to, to be able to have that. And that's absolutely fine, right? And that's cool. And that's where speaking to someone professionally is probably helpful. So yeah, I think that's why I've never considered it. As I've grown older, I have begun to use things such as Headspace and things like that, just because I find it all very interesting. Not because I'm like, oh my God, I need something now. I need to see something. I need to read something. But I'm just like, wow, like all this stuff exists. And it's crazy. Like this... It's like you think about we're 80s kids and do you know what I mean? Like we don't have any of this and suddenly people are making apps with like quotes in there to make you feel better and do you know what I mean? And stuff like that. So I've been a bit more into that. Um, does it help? I, I don't know. But mm-hmm. do I do it regularly? No. But um, I, I meditate good. I, I do. I do do that a lot. But it's, it's also, it's, it's funny because and I, I mean, I don't want to dominate that thought process, this thought process too much, but I just wanted to kind of highlight it as a difference of opinion. And I, I think we'll talk about it later as well. This is what I think. It's like, this is the first time I've got the opportunity to speak like this. But it's also my source of how I create. Do you know what I mean? All of these emotions, the anger, the pain, the hurt, you know, the elation, the happiness, is how I generally create. You're going to see it in the work. And so that's like a massive outlet for me as well. And then sometimes I get to speak to people in that way. And I think that's a very airy-fairy kind of way, artistic way to kind of talk about it. But it's gen- it is the truth. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I sometimes just sit there and feel, okay, I've got it off my chest by doing that piece of work. You know, I've got it off my chest by working on that particular project. And yeah, meditation is also that space to kind of relax. But yeah, it's how I kind of get in touch with what I want to kind of create. So I don't know whether I'm, I'm doing therapy in some way, shape or form. But yeah, I, I just think that there is just the power of, I just want to have this for me. I would say, I think it is therapy. 
definitely. It's a, it's a form of therapy, meditation. And um, it's something I've considered and tried to do a couple of times. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I just can't get into it. I can't get into it. I found it difficult. But I think, again, that's another male thing of wanting to control it and do it yourself rather than actually stepping out there and speaking, you know? And so that's why I said to myself, maybe I haven't tried it enough. I definitely want to add it to my life. And I think, again, this period is a good time to maybe try and... Because I, I, I found I'm doing a lot more for self at this moment in time, a lot more for my personal well-being because of all this time we've got at home and so on and so forth. And yeah, going past that and doing for self and let's say something, adding like something like meditation or training or, or, or even time out of the house by myself or time with the guys or whatever or or time with my, my wife is maybe branching out and taking the time to speak to someone. Yeah. Given everything we've spoken about and all the cultural things that you guys have put to the forefront, just a quick round fire, like, are you surprised that more men die by suicide than females? So 75% male, 25% female. And in terms of the UK, men aged 40 to 49 have the highest suicide rates. Does that shock you or is that something that you like, you can understand and see why that would be? Yeah, it's really sad, you know, to, to know that that's a statistic we have. But it's even more sad for me to say I totally understand it. I think I get why these situations kind of happen because, yeah, we, we're not promoted. And that's why I started MDC. There's no other way to describe it. Like, I'm that guy. I will try and get in front of it. Um, I'll try my best to say, like, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad Joe said what he said because Joe, he's known me the less amount of time, even though we've known each other for a long time now, out of everybody. And he knows me to be the guy that's like, yeah, Mike's going to talk about it. Mike's going to be up front with it. And that's what I was trying to, to solve. I could see that my boys, we're moving into this next range where just as friends, we're spending less time together because we've got responsibilities. Mm. So let this just be one moment a month that we put ourselves in this space and it's safe and we can just talk. Because, yeah, this is how we lose people on the way, mm. you know? And it's so sad to know that that's the case. But, Christina, I actively can understand it 100%. Yeah, it doesn't didn't surprise me in the slightest. I think it's because it refers to what I said earlier in a sense that um, it's that generation. It's, it's that it's, I still, if you think about the 40s, um, they're still coming from a place where they, they've been brought up as a whole on average and more so than they're not where the man has to take the lead and it's not okay to speak about you know your feelings and all that and unfortunately I my not to sound pessimistic but I feel like that's going to continue for a while until we get this newer generation um coming through the fold right and they're becoming more the majority where it's it's you're not raised that way and you know even for our generation at the 30 the 30 somethings a lot of us will still still have to deal with this feeling and there's i'm sure there's many guys out there that were raised in, in that way be it culturally or just or just that's just the way the families run right um so they'll feel that pressure and then maybe the guys in their 20s or the guys in their teens at the moment so that means what 20, 30 years' time. That might not be the case. Yeah. Uh, and, and with regards to the mix on, on men's and women's, um, men and women, 
yeah, maybe that will reduce. But my hope is the fact is that actually just suicide rate uh, just reduces as a whole, which inadvertently means that the balance should be addressed. But yeah, more so, my hope is the fact is that obviously that suicide rates do fall as a whole. Yeah, I'd say for me, having personally dealt with suicide on a number of occasions, I had to come back to myself and have a think about have I actually even dealt with a suicide that involved a female or dealing with it in some capacity? And I don't, th- I don't think that I've actually dealt with it, dealt with a female in suicide. I think even now more so, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here, but talking about that, this current, like, jo- um, sorry, Gerd just mentioned it about the, uh, the next generations and so on. I feel like the social media element of things, I think that might have started, well, it has started to have a, a very, very significant impact or yeah. further impact on, on, on suicide rates and male suicide rates. So again, my hope is that, and like I'm, I'm talking about this from a point of dealing with it in some way, shape or form, uh, personally, I again hope that it, the, the numbers reduce in their entirety, but I'm not, not surprised. And I think it ties in with like, where this conversation has kind of gone with some of the pressures that we add on ourselves, some of the, whether it be societal pressures, cultural pressures, whatever, that level of man up, man up, oh no, you have to X, Y, and Z, it has, has taken its toll and taken too many lives. I appreciate you guys taking the time out to speak to us or speak to me rather about this, but I was trying to say thank you. I feel like we shared some insightful conversations, so I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I hope you've taken some key points from this episode. If you have any questions, please email fallintoconversation at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow the Instagram page, Fall Into Conversation, to look out for upcoming episodes and useful information.